Welcome to the Questions of Life podcast. I'm Kath. I'm joined by Donald. Hello. Today we are talking about does God reward us? Enjoy our conversation. So we're looking at this whole idea of does God reward us? And last week at the end of our session, we had some people that were live here with us. And there's always the opportunity for them to ask more questions. Uh, And we got talking about football. We apologise if there are folks out there that don't like football. There's a little bit of football uh, at the beginning of this. And uh, I found out, I did not know this, but that there are some parents uh, that pay their children if they score a goal in football. As a kind of reward Mm. and as a kind of incentive. Mm. I thought that's a really interesting idea. Do you not play for the love of it? But for some parents, there is, I want my child to school, there's an incentive. They get rewarded if they do something well. Friends of mine have uh, two daughters. They are aged, I think, uh, nine and five. And uh, the daughters just love animals. So when they get to meet my dogs or my cat, they're like, can we have a pet? Can we have a pet? And their parents just hate pets. They just about tolerate my animals, to be fair. And the girls are constantly, can we have a pet? And they're so sick of it that they've made a little deal with them. They're like, if you keep your bedrooms tidy for three months, then we will consider getting you a pet. So again, it's this whole idea of you do something good, there is a reward for it. Now, we're at the kind of weak stage of the European Football Championships. Some people will be just, oh, my life, I'm sick of it. But in professional sport, you are rewarded again for doing well, for achieving lots. And I thought we would give you a little quiz. We like our quizzes. You you tend to do quite well. You like our quizzes. No, you do well in the questions of life quizzes. The other ones, I mean, you did Cafe Church on Monday. Where did you come in? Fifth or something? I don't know, something like that. Yeah, you see, not too bad. So... What I want you to have a guess at Mm. is how much money a team... The whole team or individuals within the team. The whole team. How much... So think of England. Okay. How much money do you think the England team received for qualifying for the tournament? So getting through all the, the prelim rounds and actually qualifying for the European Championships. Um, £500,000. Okay, so each of the 24 teams in it each got £7.9 million. £7.9 million. Now, how much, doing, then? how much do you think if you draw in the group stages? You get rewarded for drawing in for the drawing. group stages. Yeah. A million. No, 644000 for a draw. Okay. For a win? A million. £1.28 million. If you get through to round 16, what do you think the team gets? 10 million. 1.7 million. Oh, okay. <laughs> quarterfinals. So these are just one games, you see. Okay. Quarterfinals. Two and a half million. 2.8 million. Semifinals. 5 million. 4.3 million. The runner-up. The runner-up. 10 million. 6 million. This is going well. The winner. <laughs> 10 million. 8.6 ah. million pounds. So basically, uh, each, uh, the winning nation can get 29.25 million pounds depending on their group stage results. So you do well, you get rewarded for it. Just as a little aside, 
Not that we're going to discuss this tonight. 10% of the world is living on less than $2 a day. I'll just throw that in there because for me, looking at those figures, I think yeah. the total prize money for this one competition is £392 million. Pounds. It's an absolute disgrace. I won't tell you how much my tickets were. I bought the cheapest that we could get. I'm going to move on. <laughs> <laughs> because that's not really what we're looking at. No. The, the whole thing that I'm trying to get us thinking about is very often in life... They refunded my money just in case people are panicking about that. <laughs> I did get the money back. That's if you don't lose the money. Mm. <laughs> as long as they don't send you cash and you can lose it in your house, you'll be fine. Yeah, no. <laughs> so we, we, are, look, we live in a world where you are generally rewarded for doing good things. Mm. And you would think that as we look at the Bible and as we look at Christianity, it's, we talk a lot about it not being about how good we are. It's about what Jesus has done, Jesus' forgiveness, grace and mercy. But there are some passages in the Bible that it would seem indicate that God does reward people in this lifetime and the next how does that work out? How do you have grace and mercy and you come as you are and then you have the possibility of rewards? Well, that's the subject for tonight because it, it's, it's quite a lot of places. And most interestingly enough, Jesus speaks about reward more than anybody else. So it's, it's really right at the very heart. I mean, I was reminded uh, about, you know, you're talking about playing kids to score goals. With, with our kids, we had sticker charts. And uh, if good behaviour, washing up, whatever it was, good behaviour, they would get a sticker. And different ages, different, a certain number of stickers brought a reward. Um, we had different things over the years. One, one time it was a panini pack of panini stickers <gasps> for, for the football Love things. That. But other times it was uh, extra time playing games. For Sometimes it was at one point, I think for at least one of our kids, it was a Thomas the Tank engine train, one of those little ones. The more, so, Isn't it true as well? I remember you telling me this, that for your boys, you didn't just reward them when they did good things. You try to teach them about grace. And so you would give them extra things as well, even perhaps when they didn't deserve it, so they began to get this understanding of what grace and, and mercy yeah, was like. Yeah, so, so sometimes you might just buy them a trade yeah. and say, you haven't earned it, but here, yes. have it. Um, the, the, we're on the side, we'll get back to the real subject, but <laughs> what I think what you discover is that I think God has created us need incentive mm -hmm. and to have a, something to look forward to mm -hmm. and a major thing I think as a parent is learning the difference between bribery and reward bribery is when you give it to them up front uh, here's, here's the train set please behave at granny's never <laughs> ever works bribery <laughs> is a disaster yeah. reward is if you behave at granny's then there might be an extra train or it might be more stickers towards your thing. Not a train set, but, you know, a little two-quid train or whatever. And I used to think, as a young Christian, I was absolutely against all of this. And I was convinced that grace, God has forgiven us, he loves us, therefore it, to be rewarded is completely incompatible with Christianity. 
which caused me a problem because Jesus talks so much about reward. Uh, in Matthew's gospel, I think it's, it, it's again and again he says, you've got your reward will come, Father will reward you, so on and so forth. So as a parent, I was more happy to, to see actually that it's, it's actually better to reward people than to just simply tell them off. It's actually better that, hey, you've done brilliant today at Granny's, here's some stickers, than silence, or you were bad at Granny's, here's a punishment. And that punishment is not really as effective as reward. Mm. So that leaves us with some questions. If, if, if actually we need incentive as human beings, we need something to look forward to, I think then there are three areas to, to reward. There is a sense in which there is some form of reward in this life, and that, we need to look at that as controversial. There is a sense of there is just a reward for repentance and choosing Jesus that's common to all believers. And then the third aspect, which I've become to explore a lot more, and there are, there are different perspectives as Christians, is to what extent is there any element in which we receive something in heaven that is directly linked to a behaviour on earth? Which Jesus seems to suggest that if you do this, you will get a reward. And as I say, I initially found it very difficult, but I hope tonight we'll try and unpack those three areas. How might we be rewarded on earth? How does God reward all disciples? And what might a reward look like that is linked to behaviour on, on this in our lives individually? So hopefully we'll unpack all of those things. Okay, so let's kick off with the first one. Let's look at how we might be rewarded uh, during our lifetime on this earth. Mm. There's lots of different uh, opinions and, and streams of thought out in Christianity. One of those is that you will be rewarded if you have enough faith. You'll be rewarded with health, with well, health, wealth, prosperity, as we would perhaps call it. Is this what Jesus is meaning here? No, I think Jesus quite seems to come quite against that. The Bible certainly goes on a journey with this. And the early part of the Old Testament uses often another language, which is the language of blessing and curse that there are things, good things that happen to those who are obedient and there are bad things that happen to those that are disobedient. And initially, it would appear that that is the obedient get wealthier and live longer and the disobedient die younger and are poorer. That certainly seems to be the early understanding in the Old Testament. But in the middle of the Old Testament, the, the God seems to very clearly come against that. Um, so books like Ecclesiastes, books like Proverbs, but particularly a book called Job, or, or spelt Job, uh, which really explicitly says that's not the case. And um, so by the end of the Old Testament, second half of the Old Testament, it's quite clear that the Bible recognises that bad people get rich and that good people can die young. 
And Jesus takes that a little bit further in the sense that there is absolutely no inclination that any disciple of Jesus got rich. In fact, it was clear they gave up their income to follow him. They embraced a life of simplicity to be a disciple of Jesus. Um, and on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus uses this language of blessings, but he talks about being blessed in mourning. He talks about being blessed in being persecuted. And the rewards that he talks about are not about wealth. They're about being a child of God, about being close to God, about being accepted by God. So, the, and we always look at Jesus as the way to understand the Old Testament. So if we look at Jesus, it is clear that Jesus, when he's talking about the rewards of following him, he's not talking about wealth. To some extent, and I want to be really careful, I probably shouldn't step on it, but I just want to be really honest. To some extent, following Jesus is a healthier lifestyle. There are kind of, the, 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 one of the things that I really think is a reward is peace, is freedom from guilt, is, is overcoming fear. That that is a reward of a relationship with God. That's what he brings. That's the blessing of knowing Jesus. And there are physical manifestations of that. So the, the more at peace we feel, the more content we feel, the more... Uh, unafraid we feel will very often have a physical effect on a person and so there is a small reward of health that is not to say that following Jesus you are guaranteed health but it's probably healthier than not following Jesus so I think that the rewards in this lifestyle are not for my faith because uh, faith is is is, is required to be only the size of a mustard seed. And faith is about who we trust. It's not about how much we trust them. So my faith isn't about how much I believe. It's about how strong the person is I believe in. So I don't think we're rewarded for faith, but I do think we're rewarded for seeking God, for seeking to be obedient to him and for doing what he asks of us. And the reward in this life are those things. It's peace. It's we, if, you, if we seek to be obedient to God, we will make less stupid mistakes. If we make less stupid mistakes, our life will be less stressful. Um, I think things like, uh, so peace, strength, guidance, sense of being loved, sense of identity, sense of value, sense of purpose, sense of meaning, all of these things are the reward in this life of seeking to follow God. I think it was a few weeks ago, we, we sat the question in, is it worth following Jesus? And I would say, absolutely. There is a blessing to following Jesus and there is a, a negativity. We might, the Old Testament word is curse, that maybe means different things today, but there, are, there is a downside to rejecting Jesus. There is a downside to rejecting his way of life for us. That, will, that may well involve us being less healthy, certainly making poor life choices that lead us into some very dead-end places and difficult places. We will quite likely suffer from guilt 
and low self-esteem and all kinds of same. Now, just because I choose Jesus, I may still have battles with guilt and battles with low self-esteem. We've talked about that before. I'm not saying that that disappears totally, but I am saying it should improve as we know Jesus and should become a, a reward. So there is a sense in which following Jesus I'm careful what I say, maybe you'll correct me if this comes out wrong. In terms of well-being and mental health is better than not following Jesus. Doesn't make it perfect, but it's better than... Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And as I listen to you, I often think reward isn't the right word. Because in our mind, we, we have this sense that you earn a reward. And what you're saying is the outworking of someone wholeheartedly seeking after Jesus is a number of blessings. Mm. It's a number of ways that we are giving permission and allowing Jesus to interact in our lives. Mm. And I see that just as slightly differently. I know it's slightly yeah. different language, but yes. I prefer that, yeah. that I'm not being rewarded for being a good Christian, but actually I'm allowing Jesus more opportunity to bless me, to work in my life. And the outworking of that is, yes, I will be more peaceful. Yes, actually, he's able to guide and to direct me. Yes, he's able to speak into my life and a whole load of other things, which is what we all need and is is fantastic when we're in that place, when when that happens. And I suppose for many people, the word reward does make them think of financial, health, all of these kind of things in line with the the world. And we're not saying that because the kingdom isn't built on money. It's not built on any of those things. So what you're really talking about is the pursuit of a relationship with Jesus where we are as open and as responsive as we can be and the outworking of that. Yeah. Good consequences, I guess, is what you might want to say. It has a good... It's good outworking. It's just the outworking of being in a place where you say, you have me, more of me, handing your life over in every area. And but I would want to use a language of incentive that that is deliberately in my mind, if I seek after God, all these other things will be added. If I, if I seek him, I will find a peace. And, and there is a sense of incentive that God wants to say, if you do this, it will, it will bless you. It's like, it's like God saying, this is common sense. If you put me at the centre of your life, yeah. this is what I want to do and what I can do, just do it. Look, yeah. look at the possibility, yeah. look at the potential. Yeah. Uh, he, he's trying to excite us and saying your life can be radically different. Yeah. So we have in this lifetime the opportunity to receive all of those things. Yeah. And up to different points, we will receive them. Some yeah. people more than others. Yeah. Uh, some people will look at other people's lives and think God has blessed them more than yeah. me, particularly if it's in an area of something that they, they struggle with. I think one of those things, one of those ways that you look at rewards are if somebody is married, they have kids, all their children are Christians and going for it, and other people look on and think, well, what have I done wrong? I think often there is that comparison and thinking God favours them more than me. None of that is true in this, is it? No, and that's really the explicit teaching of Job. It's the explicit teaching of the middle to the end of the Old Testament and certainly Jesus. The phrase that the the Bible uses is the rain falls on the just and the unjust and and stuff happens to people, whether we're good or bad. Uh, So that's really important to hold on to and understand 
that if something isn't happening in our lives or the lives of our family, it's not God withholding his favour and his blessing necessarily. No. no, so what we want to move on to is, is what, when Jesus is talking about reward, he's not talking about what I've just talked about really. Yeah. He doesn't, like you saying, he doesn't use reward in that context. By the time you get into the New Testament, the word reward is, is nearly always about what's going to happen after we die. Mm-hmm. And again, the language of blessing and curse from the beginning of the Old Testament really is then about what happens when we die. And that there are two consequences, or there's the option of two options. So the one is that if we don't acknowledge our sin, if we don't repent, if we don't ask Jesus to come into our life and take our sin away, then when we die, the punishment that we deserved will become ours. So what that means by inference is that that punishment is delayed. God is not punishing people now. There may be consequences. If I smoke heavily, I may be more at risk from lung cancer. If I don't exercise, I may be more at risk from heart disease. That's a consequence. But it's not God saying, because you do this, I will do that. Mm -hmm. The the Bible becomes very clear in the second half of the Old Testament and the New Testament that Punishment is delayed for a day of judgment. So there is a day when God will say, if you have not asked me to forgive you, then there is the punishment of of not coming into heaven. So the decisions that we make in this lifetime have eternal consequences. We're saying that there isn't, once we have died, there isn't then another opportunity to say, oh, you are real, I want to follow you. Yeah. It's too late. It's too late. So what we because we'd all do that. Absolutely. So what we decide in this lifetime is of huge importance. Yes. And for those who say to God, Lord, have mercy on me. I don't deserve your forgiveness. Thank you for taking my sin. Thank you for dying in my place. There is the reward of eternal life. And reward is used in that context. It's the, the, the eternal life is not just that you live forever, because a lot of people are frightened of that. Mm. It's the joy of good life forever. If we enjoy our life now, we don't want it to end. Many people, though, stop enjoying life. They become unwell, the body aches, the mind goes, they're not as strong or fit as they used to be. And they think, well, I would rather die. And that's absolutely normal. And and that's because the life that they're living has become impaired. When we think about living forever, it's not living forever as an old person or as a person that's unwell or a person that's oppressed or stressed or poor or disadvantaged. It's living forever in the best of this life and better than that. Where there is no more sadness, where there are no tears, where there is no loss, no grief, no mourning, where there is just the joy of life and God's presence. We've talked about this before, but I think it's really important. My understanding of heaven is that it takes the best of this world, the physicality of mountains and lakes. It takes the, the fulfillment of work with our hands and doing stuff that's rewarding. And it takes the real joy of human relationships that work. 
and puts them together and takes out of that selfishness, takes out of that greed, takes out of that anger, takes out of that illness, takes out of that suffering, takes away all conflict and war and misunderstanding and insecurity and questions and doubt. And all you're left with is day upon day of the best day of your life, which is fantastic and is described as the reward for knowing Jesus, for putting our trust in Jesus, for acknowledging our sin. And it is the opposite of the punishment for our sin. And God is desperate for us to all experience, not in, just in this lifetime, but the next, all that you've just Absolutely. described. Yeah. He yeah. wants as many as possible to He's come, come to, to seek and to save the lost. He's come to reveal his love. He's come to die in our place that as many as would receive him might believe. And we kind of feel that God is pursuing us and giving us opportunities after opportunities. Yeah. Knocking that, on the door of our yeah. hearts and saying, let me in, let me in. Yes. And that is undoubtedly a part of the, the New Testament use of the word reward, but I don't think it's the main one. Okay, so the decisions that we make in this lifetime have uh, consequences now, yep. they have consequences in the future. You're saying that if you repent, you turn around and say, I've messed up. Jesus, thank you for what you've done on the cross. Forgive me. I want to follow you with my life. Then we are rewarded with the absolute certainty that when we die, or if Jesus returns first, we will be in heaven for all eternity. This wonderful place, no more sin, no more sickness, no more tears, just absolutely wonderful. And that in itself is enough. Mm. That in itself is really exciting. But what you're describing is the um, bog standard heaven experience so so there, there yeah. are, we think about going on holiday you can choose just a standard room or you can have a slight upgrade or a slight upgrade so so the the bottom line is everybody will get that everybody will live with god it will be fantastic but there are a few little add-ons that you're about to say <laughs> that for some they will be rewarded with yeah, so this is, I would want to say that I'm not an expert on this subject, but I am very intrigued by it. Mm -hmm. And that I, the more I looked at what Jesus was saying, the more it became clear, and, and, and Paul as well in the New Testament, that, that Jesus using the word reward to say something absolutely specific. If you get persecuted, there will be a reward in heaven. And you're going, okay, how does, what, what? Uh, if you um, do, if you give to the poor privately, quietly, without making a big show of it, you will get a reward in heaven. And you go, oh, okay. <laughs> so I've tried to grapple with that. Now, the early understanding that I was taught was, which I think is a kind of traditional view, but is that there are people closer to God in heaven and that the, good, the, the really good Christians are very close to God. And they have, even to the extent I've heard it said, that they have nicer houses in heaven. And, and the, the mansions. The, yeah. But I don't think that's compatible with the cross. Because here's the dilemma. What the Bible teaches very clearly is that when we give our sin to Jesus, he takes it away. 
he removes it as far as the east is from the west. And yet, the Bible also talks about Christians meeting with God and there being an account of their lives. And you think, well, how does that happen? If, I, if the wrong that I've done is forgotten, why do I live in a nice, less nice place of heaven than somebody else? Because surely that bit's forgotten. So how does that work? So that's the dilemma. That's what caused me initially to re reject the whole stuff. There's a really helpful passage in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 3, uh, that I think uh, helps. And it's not the main point of the passage. The, 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 what's going on is that Paul is defending himself uh, against a, uh, a sense of rivalry between different Christian leaders and, and he's being suggested that Paul, some follow Paul and some follow someone called Apollos and Apollos' ministry is better than Paul's ministry or whatever and so on and so forth. And, but he, he talks about, it doesn't matter, and he talks about his reward. And he talks about death being, which is an, an idea that's used in other places, he talks about death being like a fire. And he talks about the good in our lives being like gold and the bad in our lives being like straw. And I, in the past, I've done this in church. So I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to set fire to anything. It's boring, isn't it? And I haven't got any straw. I'm gonna, the, the paper is going to be straw. And I've borrowed a uh, <laughs> pound coin from, from Ian because I didn't have one. Because the FA took them. No. Because... <laughs> You've lost that, yeah. I lost that. I lost my coin. <laughs> so if, if, if you wrap the gold coin in the paper, if you set fire to it, yep. the paper will burn and disappear and the coin will be, remain. If I'm a, in Jesus and I've asked him to take away my sin, my sin is this paper. Yeah. And that is, by my death, it's gone because Jesus has died and taken it. And when I meet with Jesus, it's gone. When I come to the day of judgment, there is no straw, there is no paper, there is no sin. He's taken it away. The cross is fully effective. So if he's taken it away, it's been burnt up, what is left is this gold coin, which is the, the good that I did, the obedience. So... What's going to happen to that in heaven? That's the question. Now, my understanding is twofold. The first is that I think that God says, well done. Does he say well done to everyone? I think I would hope there's a well done for everyone. But what I understand, and this is where this thing is about giving account of your life, I think that once all the sins removed... I've come to believe more and more and it's become a real incentive to me and I think it's a right and godly incentive. I want to meet with God and hear him say, well done. I want him to say, hear him say, that talk, what's today's date? 16th. That evening on the 16th was good. Well done. No, it may not. That may have gone here because I may be talking rubbish. But <laughs> I'm hoping... <laughs> That, he go, that we go through my life and he says, that, that was good, well done. And to hear Jesus, hear God say, well done, 
to me is an immense award. And that's something I learned as a parent is that kids thrive on praise. They thrive on being saying, thank, well done, that was good. And part of the stickers was the, the, the actual joy of it's for everyone to see that I did good today, so I got a sticker. If I've lived a bit of a near Christian life, where yes, I invited you into my life, but I took a lot of, did a lot of my own thing as well. Then my time of hearing well done might be shorter than somebody else's. So I imagine, so um, I imagine that were I to be following, uh, I don't know, Mother Teresa, Billy Graham, some. Martin Luther King, they might be with God for quite a long time. <laughs> and I might be with God for less time. But I leave that encounter with God feeling good. And I then walk in to have a chat with Martin Luther King or Mother Teresa or Moses and I don't walk in in a different part of heaven that they can't be in. That's the first thing I understand. I don't know if that makes sense, but to me the reward is the length of time of him saying, well done. And interestingly, you know, there is no more sadness in heaven. So just in having your well done doesn't matter in some senses whether it's shorter than Martin Luther King's because to you, there's that special... Yeah moment I'm not insecure I'm not comparing no. myself with anybody no. else everyone will get a moment with God where they're told well done mm. and I think for those that maybe have been persecuted for those that have grown up in a family in a world where nobody has said well done to them in that moment of face to face with God saying well done good and faithful servant wow mm. what must that do mm. to them and I wonder whether, you know, there's a big video screen, you get to look back and, and see things. And I was worried about that moment, that all the rubbish would be there as well. And that I'd be sat with God like a school report, like with my head teacher. Mm. So, Kath, why did you do this? Mm. And you said that and you messed that up. And you did, I mean, the list is, gosh, mm. every day it's incredibly long of all the things that mm. I do and I say wrong. Mm. But the fantastic news is because of Jesus, that is gone. So I just come yeah. face to face with God and it's just about the good that I've done. It's just about being thanked and said well done to. That's incredible. It's like coming out of the jungle and I'm saying, let's look at the best bits. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, mine won't be very long, but no. that's fine because I'm happy just to be there. I th and I think that's, that's what Jesus is getting at when he says, you know, don't show off in front of people. Don't pray in a way that everybody can see, like the hypocrites. Don't give money because your father sees and will reward you. Yeah. And your father sees and says, well done. Yeah. That's great. But I think there's more. I think yeah. there's a second major thing with yeah. this coin, the reward in heaven. Because Jesus talks about storing up treasure in heaven rather than on earth. He says, don't store treasures on earth that will rust like your car or your, I mean, he wasn't talking about a car because it hadn't been invented, but you, <laughs> like your camel or whatever. <laughs> Camels rust. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
<laughs> he says things physical that do not pass with us. There's no point in them. Yeah. He's saying store up treasure in heaven. What is it that you can store from this life that will be in heaven? And the answer is people. And then Paul says it quite a, a bit. He, the, in the, Paul clearly likes sport. In my justification for me liking football, there's no doubt that the Apostle Paul liked sport because he refers to it a lot. And he obviously liked athletics because yeah. he referred to athletics a lot. And he describes the, the, the idea from the sports games was that the winner would receive a wreath, a crown around their head. Uh, the, 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 uh, mark them as the winner. So like we put a, a thing around the neck, they would put a, a wreath on their head. And he talks about winning. He talks about the crown in heaven. And then he says to people who he has helped and led to Christ, he says, you are my crown. And taking those two ideas, what I understand is that Paul is saying, when I meet people in heaven who I have been a part of helping them get here, either because I discipled them or because I led them to Christ or because I lived in a way that made them ask questions or I helped them with a difficult time or I fed them when they were hungry or I visited them when they were in prison, as Jesus talks about, or they were a stranger and I welcomed them in. When I meet those people, they are a crown because I go my life wasn't wasted. That was good. And I want to meet as many people in heaven who will say, you did this and it helped me. And like the reward is God saying, well done. I believe the second part of the reward is hearing people say thank you. And that's why Jesus says, I was in prison and you, fed me, uh, you visited me or whatever it was. He's saying you, you can receive in heaven a consequence to this action. The consequence, as I understand it, is firstly seeing them there and going, isn't that fantastic? They are here. I prayed for them. They're here. I gave money I didn't know where it went, but I gave money to this organisation. And these people are here because of the money I gave. This heaven is got treasure that I had invested in on earth. And I can see it here. And I just find that a tremendous incentive um, to pray, to give, to care, to share, to, to, to just say, you know, I can't take anything with me but you, so I need to invest in you. And I think it's really helpful to break it down like that because sometimes I think we only see it in the how many people God uses us to bring to faith. Mm. And that's important. But when you look at someone like Billy Graham, who has a, a wonderful evangelistic gift and, and there's many millions of people who have become Christians through his ministry, 
you think, wow, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm nothing compared to him. And I know of some people who faithfully have prayed and have done everything they can to witness and perhaps haven't yet seen somebody come to faith. And they'll be thinking, I'm a failure. I can't hold my head up in heaven because you've got all these people that have they've done this and this. But the very fact that they've prayed, the very fact that they've sought to get alongside, to love, to live out their faith is just as important as what Billy Graham has done. And the whole, what we do with our money, again, is equally important. Sometimes we think, oh, where does my money go? What am I doing? Why should I give to the church? Why should I give to charity? Actually, we give because through giving, we release others that in heaven, God will say, they're there because you gave 30 pounds a month or whatever it might be because you were prepared to open your wallet up for me to use Mm. and not keep that to yourself. Or you had someone over to supper, or you gave to the food bank, or you did this, that, and the other. So it's not about just getting het up on how many people we're part of bringing to faith. It's the whole of our lives. It's everything that we do, all those that we interact with in so many different ways. That's the exciting news. It is, and and if I think about me being somebody else's crown, I will be hundreds of people's crown because there are hundreds of people that have helped me follow Jesus and helped me be who I am. Yep. And, and uh, I, I have two or three years, no, more than that, a few years ago, I went to reunion at the church where I became a Christian as a young person. And you just think, oh, and you, and you go and speak, oh, thank you, I remember that you did this, and thank you, I remember the impact of watching how you handled that situation. And th- and I was just looking around, seeing people and think, I've forgotten what you did in my life. Yeah. And to me, that was a taster of what heaven will be like, where I'll go and say, oh man, what, you don't know what that meant to me. And I would say to, to the loads of people in this church, uh, you know, I will be your crown because you prayed for me. You emailed me when things were difficult. You uh, encouraged me with a word. You set an example that I followed. You said something in season that I heard. Uh, you um, you gave, and and I had the opportunity to work for the church, and I couldn't. I didn't have to starve. <laughs> Yeah. My kids didn't have to go poor. I enabled enough money to uh, save for half my life for England tickets <laughs> <laughs> because of your generosity. <laughs> so it's not that I, I am the crown of one person who led me yeah. to Christ. So Even my, my, my salvation story has lots of different people who did this and did that and made an impact. Yeah. So I am the crown to loads of people. Yeah. And, and that's that. That's we just want to expand that. Yeah. That we make a difference. That every day we do yeah. what God asks of us, and yeah. it's not forgotten, and it is noticed, and He will reward us. And the reward will be, see what that caused. Yeah. Well done. So for those that have done that, rocking up to heaven is really exciting. Well, it's Absolutely. Exciting anyway, even if you're on the lower tier, it's really exciting. But if you're on the platinum, uh, package. the platinum package, then it's exciting because there is that sense of, oh, thank you, or someone saying to you, thank you, and, and that's fantastic. But if you're not on the platinum package, you still don't feel, I, I think, like a failure or you have missed out. I think God is gracious and you're welcome with open arms. Uh, and Because you don't know everybody else's. It's not like, oh, everybody can see that 
that Martin Luther King had far more crowns yeah. or Billy Graham had far more yeah. crowns. None of us know that. No. It's all between God and, and, and we're not insecure. We're just pleased for people and we're yes. just delighted in those best days of our life is every day and there's yeah. joy and there's peace. So there is, we've got to get the balance between being incentivized, yeah. which I be, I've, I've come to believe more and more God intends, that he's putting a carrot and saying, do this and you'll get that. We balance that with the grace that says, if you mess up, we'll sort that out, we'll wipe it away and we'll start again. And we hold those two in, in together and they both can be true at the same time. I get to heaven, all my sins washed away. Fantastic. But I also get to heaven and I can see the fruit of my life. Fantastic. When you talk about, you know, heaven being like the best day of your life, will there be football in heaven or will that go to hell? Because there'll be a difference of opinion in that, way. I will be good at football in heaven. So there will be football in heaven. You think there'll be sport in heaven? There'll be sport and those that don't like sport will, will not knit. notice it. Not notice it. They'll be there knitting. <laughs> I'll be able to knit in heaven. <laughs> we, I don't know. We, we, it's a bit of... I do think that the things we dislike about other people, we will, will love. But those edges would have been honed exactly. and rounded off them. So the things that really annoy you about me, yes, they won't be there. What will remain as part of the coin will be yes. my wonderful humour. Yes. That, that will be there <laughs> lighting up the whole of heaven. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you all laughing in the room? <laughs> it was your wonderful humour. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that that's just a slight aside. One of the reasons the Bible talks about there being no marriage in heaven, in fact, the main reason, is not because heaven is less fun, it's because every late relationship is as good as the best marriage and that there's no need to feel insecure, jealous, I must possess this person, I must... Uh, know that this person loves me because if they don't love me, nobody loves me. Mm. That's all gone. Mm. So it's like we're married to everyone. Mm. And I think that's brilliant. So there's no sex in heaven? <laughs> it doesn't look like it as far as I can understand. So when Paul had his, uh, whoever it was, had his vision, there was no sex. Uh, where are we going now? No, with this? Just, I'm just throwing random questions at you as, as, as always. Okay, so bringing it back, what we're talking about. Can I just say yeah. that for all the people going, well, I don't want to go to heaven if there's no sex, just think that you, whatever there is in heaven is so great that sex feels like unimportant. Great. That's how I'd put it. Great. Bringing it back. I know that was my fault, taking us on a little side alley. I know I'm going to get messages now that there is sex in heaven, but I, I, it, it doesn't say so. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Can we move on? I, I was trying to move us on, <laughs> but you've brought us back twice, but that's not a problem. So with all of this, what we're really talking about at the end of the day, being people who know that we're forgiven and people who are offering our lives daily, to be connected with and used by God. And the more we do that, the more he's able to do in us, the more he's able to do through us. 
And that then has a knock-on effect on the blessing that we are to those around us in this lifetime. It's about being obedient to his promptings and the give five pounds, say something nice there, pray for that person, invite that person, give that person some food. The little things that we do that are at the instigation and the prompting of God actually have huge consequences, not just upon our lives, but their lives now and in the future. That we can be a blessing and be blessed now, Mm. but also when we come to the end of our lives, we make it before Jesus. We have the well done, good and faithful servant. And we get to see the fruit of that relationship with God in heaven, which is absolutely awesome. Absolutely awesome. So it's, it's quite simple when you think about it. I think so. And I think the other thing is that for me, this thing about incentive is there are times when you do things, I don't want this to sound like a sympathy thing, I'm trying to, there are times when you do things and you don't think anyone notices. There are times when you look at others and you think, gosh, they get all the praise and, and Jesus, I think, is explicitly think, talking about that in, in Matthew 5, 6, 7 and he's saying, your father sees and I, I use that. I definitely do. I go, okay, I don't need anyone to know. Mm. I just need God to know. Mm. And I confess that that's not always easy. Sometimes you want to drop hints. You want to tell, and probably I do. And you say, but actually it's far better to go, you know what? As long as my father's seen me do this, that's all that matters. Mm. And none of us really like a show off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so it's just far better to be able to go I don't need the praise of hum- human beings on this, th- in this life I don't need to be lauded I don't need to be popular I don't need to be all of that as long as I'm obedient to God he sees what I do and he will say well done and that's enough and I have found increasingly that is really helpful to me and I'm not saying every day it's enough, but more days it's enough than it used to be. And more and more. And I hope that makes me more and more of a pleasant person to be with because the people that want all the attention are not always easy. I think it also makes us people that want to thank other people and affirm and encourage them. I know that we're not in, in it for the affirmation of other people, but there is something helpful and godly Mm. about building someone up, about yeah. saying thank you, about uh, respecting and, and, and giving them some value rightly for mm. who they are and what they've done. Mm. Because when we don't have that, yeah, we go to God and that's fine. But there are times when it is just healthy and nice to hear that from others. Mm. And maybe that's part of what God does in and through us, that prompting, tell them thank you, yeah. tell them well done, tell them that was great. What, whatever it might be let's never be afraid to thank someone or, or praise them um, but I know that's often dependent on our self-esteem and often it's difficult to praise others when our self-esteem is is low but it's those times we go to God and mm. we get his view his esteem that we are his children precious mm. and dearly loved anything else that you want to say on I don't think so this subject fantastic fantastic 